0: Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13.
1: Hello and welcome back to First, Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rolo. Last time I featured part two of my interview with Mary Ellen Sigler, Massachusetts mom, educator, and organizational leader who spoke about the dangers of so-called comprehensive sexuality education. C-S-E, in the public schools, which threatens our families and our society. In this context, I quoted Pope Francis, who has said, Beware of the new ideological colonization that tries to destroy the family. As families, we have to be very wise and strong to say no to to any attempted ideological colonization that would destroy the family, and to ask the intercession of St. Joseph to know when to say yes and when to say no. In our time, it is time to say no. It is time to say no to the ideological colonization that pollutes our children with the empty messages of hypersexualization and gender ideology that exists to an increasing extent in our public schools. Mary Ellen Sigler went through this in great detail last time, especially as it relates to the Worcester Public Schools, recently inviting the Trojan horse of CSE into the public schools. CSE is a kind of ideological colonization. And as freedom-loving Americans, we know that colonization is a form of oppression from which we need to free ourselves. Last time, I also shared excerpts from a recent speech delivered on May twentieth, 2021, by William Barr, former Attorney General of the United States and longtime defender of freedom. In this speech, he argued that the greatest threat to religious liberty in America today is the increasingly militant and extreme secular progressive climate of our state-run educational system. I will share more excerpts from this important speech by Attorney General Barr, after which I will play the final segment of my conversation with Mary Ellen Siegler. Let us first, as always, begin with prayer. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. O God, through the intercession of St. Joseph, we pray, that you would continue to protect the family from outside forces that would undermine the authority and freedom of the family. We ask you to enlighten the hearts of educators everywhere, that by supporting the family, they truly educate and love the child entrusted in their care. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I play part three of my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler, I would like to continue to share excerpts from the recent speech by William Barr, former Attorney General of the United States. The notion, he explained, that we can hermetically seal off religion from education is a relatively novel idea, and it is an idea that the experience of the past half-century has refuted in rather spectacular fashion. For a time, a culturally homogeneous American society was able to finesse it, but today, the situation as it stands is clearly untenable. A.G. Barr continued, The American approach to public schooling and its relationship to religion has preceded in three distinct historical phases. The early advocates for public education, particularly Horace Mann and the common school movement, saw public schools as performing at least two missions. One, inculcating a sense of common identity and common civic and cultural bonds, forging the unum out of the pluribus. Number two, the moral formation of America's youth the building of moral character. In this first phase, the advocates of public schools agreed that religion was integral to such an education. You could not separate moral education from religion. So the early advocates of public schools explicitly incorporated religion into the schools. It was an anodyne form of Christianity that was composed of all the key articles of faith that Protestant denominations generally agreed upon. This was a generally acceptable pan-Protestantism. And the idea was that schools should teach religion that was common to all, or at least all Christians. It was the presence of this form of pan-Protestantism in the schools that led to the creation of a separate school system for Catholics and for religious Jews. The key point is that until the 1970s or so, the instruction received in the public school system openly embraced Judeo-Christian beliefs and values and most certainly was not hostile to nor fundamentally in conflict with traditional religious beliefs. In short, religion and the public school system were compatible because the school system embraced a generally acceptable form of Christianity. The second phase of public schooling came in the latter part of the 20th century. This was when the left embarked on a relentless campaign of secularization intent on driving every vestige of traditional religion from the public square. Public schools quickly became the central battleground. He stated that even as schools were forcibly secularized, the notion of moral instruction did not simply go away. The rich Judeo-Christian tradition was replaced with trite talk of liberal values. Be a good person. Be caring. And now in phase three, Attorney General William Barr goes on to say, in many places in the country, our public schools are becoming an absurdity that can scarcely be believed. Consider just one example. Earlier this year, an Iowa public school district taught transgenderism and homosexuality to students at all grade levels, including preschool. As part of a Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action, the school district distributed a children's coloring book that teaches everyone gets to choose if they are a girl or a boy, or both or neither, either, or someone else, and no one else gets to choose for them. I commend to you the full reading of this important speech, which can be easily found by going to your search engine and typing in William Barr Speech 2021. And now, here is part three of my interview with Mary Ellen Sigler. We continue to discuss the poison of comprehensive sexuality education in the public schools. One horrible uh, undermining of the family uh, has occurred recently, or it's made it's it's been made worse recently. It was already bad, but the so-called Roe Act, which uh, tried to liberalize abortion even more than it already is in the state and that was rammed through at the end of last year seeking an abortion used to require parental consent but not anymore right and then they tried to say okay well we'll have a judicial bypass so if the if the 16 or 17 or 18 year old is afraid to talk to their parents about being pregnant they can go see a judge well even at that you know more than 90 percent of the judges said, yeah, okay, you could have an abortion. But this recent thing even eliminated that. Yes. So a sex predator or sex trafficker could conceivably take a pregnant 16-year-old to Planned Parenthood to get an abortion, and the parents wouldn't uh, even know.
0: It's true. That's exactly um, what has happened and what will happen with this legislation. So really to think that... A child can make such a huge life decision without the guidance and knowledge. yeah, um, you know, their parents' um, consent or their mm-hmm. parents' knowledge of it. Um, it's just it's really unfathomable to think that our legislators think that that was okay.
1: Yeah. so that kind of gets to, all right. so uh, now that we have hopefully exposed um, some of this, and uh, I would say, We could even highlight the negative aspects even more if we use some of the explicit things that these kids are taught, but I'm afraid to do that uh, on the radio. If we're going to try to combat this uh, so-called comprehensive sex education, uh, you've talked about using the SRA approach, and uh, I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit.
0: Sure. So, and, and let me just say if parents want to learn more about what is actually contained within comprehensive sexuality education, because sometimes it's really difficult to wrap your head around yeah. it if you're not actually seeing what it is that we're so alarmed about. Yeah. But so I invite people to go to Massachusetts Informed Parents and to look through, scroll through some of my posts there yeah, and to also look in the file section. I have harm analyses documents that mm-hmm. there from the Protect Child Health Coalition, which is a national coalition that I'm a part of, um, and they've produced a lot of documents, you know, evaluation documents of the curriculum.
1: Yeah, it's downright and, pornographic.
0: Um, so they, they can go there, they can look and see exactly what's in the curriculum mm-hmm. and why we're so concerned about it. Um, but, yes, yeah, so sexual risk avoidance education um, is an approach to sex education that is, it's a primary prevention model. Mm-hmm. So much like we would teach a young person not to smoke, many of the no smoking campaigns, that you have seen, they are a primary prevention model. Mm-hmm. Don't drink and drive, that is a primary prevention model approach, right, to, right? So you're defining the activity as a high-risk activity, and you're encouraging people not to do it. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, I made this point during the school committee meeting when I was testifying yeah. that we don't teach our young people To drink and drive safely right we tell them not to do it Mm -hmm. we don't try to teach our children well here's how you can smoke safely we tell them do not smoke it's not healthy for you right so but then when it comes to teen activity sexual activity which we know is a high-risk activity and not healthy for them not Mm. only physically but mentally, emotionally, right. and spiritually as well, right. um, you know, we should be telling them not to do that um, before marriage. So um, personally, I believe that sex education should be handled in the home. I, agree I do with not you. believe that the school should be handling it at right. all. Right. But we do know that there are some students who might not have that support at home, And we do know that, you know, in the current climate that there uh, seems to be a real push for inserting health and sex education Mm -hmm. in schools. So if we are going to go that route and it's really up to individual communities to decide what they want for their communities and in their school, I recommend a sexual risk avoidance approach Mm -hmm. because it is the healthiest approach. So now. You know, proponents of CSE will say, oh, SRA does not work. Right. And um, but that's really those are really just talking points. So and they'll say, well, they don't you know, it's not comprehensive enough because it doesn't discuss STIs or it doesn't discuss contraception. But that's actually not true. It, It actually includes information on all of those things Mm -hmm. but it goes into much more detail even on the stis and and even on abortion and the real risks involved Mm. whereas csc really kind of glosses over a lot of that so you know it talks about it and mentions it but it doesn't elaborate so an sra model elaborates so that they're really giving kids good information and they're giving the students robust information about really the risk that is involved Mm -hmm. um, with teen sexual activity i mean those students who participate in sexual activity are they're they're less likely to use contraception more likely to experience an sti Mm -hmm. they um More likely to end up with concurrent or um, sexual partners, so Mm -hmm. multiple sexual partners. Um, They're more likely to experience pregnancy. They're uh, more likely to achieve a lower educational, to have a lower educational attainment. Um, There's more of an increase in sexual abuse and Mm -hmm. victimization. Um, There's decreased general physical and psychological health, including depression, Mm -hmm. decreased relationship quality, stability. They're more likely to divorce, and they're more frequent. There's usually connected to more frequent engagement in other high-risk activities, such as smoking, drinking, and drugs. So Mm -hmm. these are things that SRA addresses, Mm -hmm. all of these things. So SRA really is the more comprehensive model of sex education.
1: Right, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of ironic that uh, a lot of people treat abstinence like it was uh, a dirty word, like this right. was this was some kind of uh, impossibility. But really, that's sort of the um, bigotry of low expectations. I think is the term that's used, and uh, there there is a, a, a lot of evidence out there that that using SRA is more effective than comprehensive sex education. So it's, as you say, it's uh, really most appropriate that this be taught in the home. But uh, if there is a choice to make, the uh, SRA approach is um, is a better way to go. To what extent has this permeated the Boston or the, the uh, Massachusetts schools? I know it's, this uh, curriculum is in Boston and they're trying to get it in Worcester and they're on the verge of uh, doing that do you know to what extent it's another um the comprehensive sex education is involved in other public schools across the state
0: well it's actually quite pervasive so i'm working on a massive project right now gathering information from every single school district in the state mm. and um and as that information comes in i am evaluating the curriculum and writing uh, an evaluation of it and Um, compiling a report of what's happening in Massachusetts. I hope to finish that project um, by next year sometime. So um, I will tell you this, that I have yet to come across a school district that does not use some form of comprehensive sexuality education. Mm -hmm. So I keep waiting as information comes in from a new district and I take a look at it and I think, wow, just... uh, I just can't I can't tell you how concerning it is some yeah. of the resources that are coming back to me. So not only these all- in one inclusive curriculum like Planned Parenthoods Get real or the three R's from Advocates for Youth, but there um, a lot of school districts are using online resources mm. and online websites. And the thing that's really alarming about that is that most of these websites, um contain not only do they contain a lot of objectionable material they are linked to additional websites yeah and when you click through to some of the additional websites um i've come across content that i've had to quickly exit out of yeah because yeah. it's not healthy for me to even to look at it. Yeah. So um, I've come across pornographic material. Right. Um. It, it's just very very alarming. Yep. One parent sent me information from their school district and asked me to evaluate it in Westford, and I mm. did. In one of the videos that the school was using. For, it was a short little two-minute video to describe the process of conception. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the video, it referred the students to go to a website called stayteen.org to get more information. So I went to that website to visit the website, and the website automatically redirects to a website called Power to Decide. Oh, no. And that whole website was a complete infomercial Pushing abortion. Yeah, and so. it had an abortion finder. Um, it had so many different articles and blog posts that were really highly inappropriate, mm, um, mm-hmm, you know, talking mm-hmm, about multiple mm-hmm. sexual partners and just really inappropriate material. But even more alarming was that that website had a link to another website called Bedsider. And that just had adult information on Mm. it. So these are the things that I am finding in Massachusetts schools. Now, fortunately, we brought this to the attention of the school officials. They made the decision to remove that reference from that video, which was a win. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's very important for parents to be paying attention. Yeah. But realistically, Mark. Is a parent going to evaluate every single resource? If a school is using 15 different resources to teach comprehensive sexuality education or sex ed, are they going to be able to find all of these things? This is how this is getting past parents.
1: Yeah, it gets to be a show game.
0: Right. I mean, I research this subject so I know where to look. Mm -hmm. And as an educator, I understand curriculum and how curriculum is arranged. Mm -hmm. So, but maybe a parent who might not have that background may not be, they may miss certain things because they just may not know where to look. And so this is why this information is getting through to the kids without the parents knowing. And the schools, you know, this is just kind of flying under the radar. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you, Mary Ellen, for, for being out there and for shining a light on this because I, I think that a lot of parents out there, they're just, some of them are uncomfortable about having the conversation with their teens and preteens, and a lot of them probably think that sex ed was is still sort of like what they had. Maybe, you know, like for me, it was a one- or two-hour biology lesson and then the importance of... Um, saving sex until marriage but it's it's way way beyond that now and i i really yes. thank you for um, being out there and and uh hopefully this will open some eyes uh, out there and get people to ask questions and uh you've been able to um do a lot of that in in uh, in your capacity before we end this uh conversation is are there any um, last words that you have
0: well, I just want to encourage parents. You know, my, my mom says to me, I don't envy you raising children today. She mm-hmm. said, you have so many more things that you have to pay attention to than we did even when we were raising you. So my heart does go out to parents. Many parents are busy working to provide for their families, to take care of their families. They love their children. They want to protect their children. So it's overwhelming all of the things that they kind of have to do um, as parents today. So that I want to be a resource for parents. Um, I would encourage parents that if they are able to remove their children from a public school Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's so many innovations happening now in education. So there are online schools. Homeschooling has really grown. Mm-hmm. Um, your children can have a really wonderful experience um, homeschooling. There are lots of groups and support groups and cooperative type things. You know, more pastors are starting to open up small church schools. Mm-hmm. There are private schools. So I encourage parents, first and foremost, if they can remove their child from public education, I would encourage them to do so. Yep. There are yep. issues in public education now, um, CSE being one of them and the sexualization of children being one of them. So I would encourage them, if they can, to remove their child. Now, I, I know that that's not realistic for every family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for a family who is not able to... You know, I really want you to become part of Massachusetts Informed Parents so Mm -hmm. you can stay connected. Get on the mailing list for Massachusetts Family Institute so you can be connected to groups who are watching and paying attention to what's happening so that we can get important information to you. And so that we can help equip you to protect your children. So, I also encourage parents to opt your child out of any sex education Mm -hmm. class in school, so on our group, you can find an opt-out form both on the Massachusetts Family Institute website, but you can find it in the file section of Massachusetts Informed Parents as well. And if you have any questions, of course, you can contact me at massinformparents@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm always happy to take phone calls and answer emails of parents to provide them encouragement and support and information. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but opt your child out and we are, um, something that we have to keep on the radar is that there is currently a piece of legislation called the sex ed mandate. It's actually called the, uh, the healthy youth act, which Mm. is just a euphemism Mm. for a sex ed mandate. Mm. So currently the way the current law is in Massachusetts, school districts do not have to teach sex ed. And if they choose to do so, they can choose whichever curriculum they would like. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Healthy Youth Act or the sex ed mandate passes, then for school districts who do choose to teach sex ed, they will be forced to teach a comprehensive sexuality education mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. So, the uh, curriculum. So, um, we do not want this piece, piece of legislation to pass. Um, so, I encourage you to um, visit the uh, mask. Um, ma gov website to learn more about that Mm. i will Mm -hmm. be publishing information also on that on in massachusetts informed parents um likely later today and tomorrow so Mm. um but uh, i encourage people to reach out to their uh, elected officials and to tell them to vote no Mm -hmm. on uh, the sex ed
1: mandate mary ellen siegler thanks so much for this uh wonderful um hour we spent together uh, talking about these very important uh, issues. Thank you so much.
0: Well, Mark, thank you so much for having me and for um, caring about our young people. I just appreciate everything that you're doing as well.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Okay, God bless. Yeah,
1: thank you. This concludes my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler. You can contact Mary Ellen at Mass Informed Parents. At gmail.com. Learn more about this and other issues affecting the family at Massachusetts Family Institute, which is mafamily.org. I conclude with one final excerpt from Attorney General Barr's recent important speech. What is taking shape is a full blown, may I say, systemic, Subversion of the Religious World View. Telling school children that they get to choose their gender, not just male or female, but anything else, and that no one has anything to say about it, does not just contradict particular religious teachings on gender and the authority of parents. It is a broadside attack on the very idea of natural law. Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect. And, at the very least, we should first do no harm. Thank you for
0: tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rolo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrolo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O-978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first do no harm.